0: you don't know what emasculate means, ask your mum and dad on the way home. (laughs) (laughs) We will touch on that verse briefly, Um, and awkwardly towards the end of this sermon. Okay, before we get going, uh, here we go, uh, 66 books in the Bible. Ooh, there they all are, kept them all out by hand this afternoon. The ones in red are the ones that we've preached at some point in the last six years. The ones in yellow, uh, we are part way through. So John and Ephesians, we've, uh, been started looking at in the mornings. Uh, Psalms, we've had, we've done about 30, 30, 32 Psalms, I think, over the last six years. Uh, Galatians, we're in at the moment. The ones in green, Judges, Ruth and Daniel, probably spring term, summer term next year. So come back after, uh, Christmas. And we'll do Ruth and Judges, and that probably should take us up to Easter. Seriously, you want a book that really helps you get your head around Jesus? The book of Judges is, like, immense for that. So we're going to do that, and then Daniel. Uh, And we're going to spend a little bit of time over the next couple of years looking particularly at the books, I think at this stage anyway, looking particularly at the books that um, teach us how to live. Um, when the church is in exile, I think that's something that we're going to find we resonate with increasingly uh, in the years to come. So uh, we'll spend a bit of time on that. The plan is to preach through, like, so it's all in red. When it's all in red, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll just, I'm not gonna, all right. We got like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel to get through. So it's not going to be for years. But just so you know, there is a kind of, there is a bit of a plan uh, in there. All right. Okay, so um, freedom. Next week <laughs> next week, we're just we're going to realise uh freedom. Man, we are really free. You know, a Christian can kind of stand and go, Alright, um, how do I have to live then? To which Paul's answer is, You're free. Live however you want. Alright, just however you want to live, you are free to live like that. All right, now that's that sounds really dangerous, but Paul has absolute confidence that he can say that, and it will not lead Christians to like just throw off any sense. In fact, Paul knows that when you are a Christian, when the Spirit of Christ has taken up residence in your life, the, you want, you want to live like Jesus. And so Paul, what we'll hear Paul say next week is, yeah, do you know what? You are free. You are free to live however you want to live. All right, so that's just wetting your appetite a little bit as we come into chapter 5. Um, almost the whole series has been preached for next week's sermon, basically. Okay, so for me, next week is a real highlight. Um, in, in Galatians, the second half of Galatians 5. But we're in the first half of Galatians 5. It's pretty good as well, on balance. It's not bad. It's not a bad bit of the Bible. First half of Galatians 5, so I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get stuck into it. So, Father, we have these what is it, 11, 12 verses of your Word open before us this evening. And we pray that the same Spirit that inspired Paul to write those words like hundreds of years ago, that your same Spirit would be here with us now this evening, helping us to understand, to make sense of them, and to know what to do with it when we have made sense of it, Lord. It's one thing to understand the Bible, but Lord, that's 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 only the first step on the road, really, because we want to be people who live by Your Word. So help us not just to understand, but to see how this impacts and shapes who we are and how we live. That we might live in a way that honors you and in a way that is born out of the freedom that we have in Jesus. We ask it in his name. We ask it for his glory. So, um, I don't know if you've noticed as we've gone through Galatians, but as books of the Bible go, it's kind of a one-hit wonder, really. One of the most challenging things about preaching through Galatians has been to try to make each week sound and feel a little bit different from the week before, because really, Paul has one message, okay? And the whole way through the book of Galatians, he's just circling around this one message, and, and as books of the Bible go, Galatians is pretty unique for this. I mean, think about a book like 1 Corinthians. You know, what's Paul dealing with in the church of Corinth? You know, there's, there's division, uh, party spirits, uh, people playing leaders off against one another, um, there's people, uh, visiting prostitutes, there's people taking each other to courts, uh, there's people who don't know what they believe about resurrection, there are people worshiping idols, uh, there are people who are uh, taking the Lord's Supper in a way that is undermining the life of the church. You, know, you go through First Corinthians, it's just like, oh my goodness, there are so many things that Paul is addressing in that one letter. You come to Galatians, one thing, one thing, that's All he's got to say is, trust Jesus. All right? You know, like we heard in our our reading uh, this evening, that there is a righteousness that through the Spirit and by faith, uh, uh, there is a righteousness that we are waiting for. You know, that, that, that Christ has clothed us in righteousness, and when we are raised, he will make, we will see him as he is, we will be uh, like Him, because we see Him as He is, our goodness, our goodness, our righteousness is something that is given to us as a gift from Jesus. So don't try to be good enough on your own. All right, And that is Paul's issue in the book of Galatians. Trust Jesus, not yourself. That's it. And he, he argues, you know, it's like, let me talk about this from your experience. Let me talk about this from my experience. Let's talk about it from Abraham's experience. Let's look at what the Bible teaches about this. It. Just everything feeding into this one colossal point. Just driving it in like a like a hammer, just pounding a nail into a piece of wood. It's like, guys, seriously, you've got to get this point. You've got to make sense of Get this wrong. Remember this, you get this wrong, you end up on the wrong side of the line, right? You end up under God's curse, under the control of sin, under law, under the disciplinarian that just beats you for not being good enough all the time, in slavery under demons, Yeah, right? But that's if you're like trying to be good enough yourself, trying to be religious enough, trying to be, you know, holy enough and pure enough by myself i can do this no you can't that's what paul said you can't and if you try it doesn't end well you need to trust jesus right and that is the path to blessing and freedom and justification being accepted by god being adopted in jesus into his family receiving the spirit of christ and becoming an heir and a co-heir with christ Inheriting the new creation in its entirety and in its glory, and Paul's like this. This line, you know, this is not something that we can agree to disagree on, right? This isn't you know a sort of secondary issue where where Christians. This is the very heart of the gospel, all right. And if you get this wrong, Paul's like it's like the church goes into cardiac arrest, right? It's like the church begins to lose sight of the gospel. It's like the church is a heart attack. I, um, I, I went through a really strange phase uh, as a minister um, a few years ago, quite, quite a few years ago. But it, it kind of, it, it, got to the, it got to the point where it felt like, you know, I would go to visit people in hospital and they would die. <laughs> it, was, it was really bizarre. Um, sometimes people were expecting to die and I would go and... And we talk about meeting with Jesus, and, and I'd pray with them and, and tell them it was okay to die, and they would, they would die. And that was amazing. And then there were other people who just kind of, it wasn't quite so expected. And they would die. And after a while, people were like, don't come and visit. If I'm ever in hospital, don't come and visit me. All right? But I remember one particular, it was quite a traumatic incident, actually. Um, one of these amazing old godly uh, women just who'd walked with the Lord for so Many years, and I went in to to see her, and she was uh, she was unconscious. She um she had she'd been unconscious for for several days. I went in, and I just anointed her with oil, and I, I prayed for her, and I read Psalm 23 to her, and said, it, "It's okay, you can you can go. Jesus will meet you, and will lead you through death." And she went into cardiac arrest, and I was like. Um, and like somebody came running over and and hit the button, and suddenly there were like by eight or ten people around this bed, and and the, you know the defibrillators were out and everything, and and it was bizarre because they they had made the decision that they weren't going to continue trying to to bring her bring her back, and suddenly I was in the midst of this, and they were I had a collar and everything on, so they just assumed I knew what I was talking about, and they were like, do you agree? And I was like, yes. Oh I hope that was the right answer. You know, but it's, can you imagine somebody goes into cardiac arrest and everybody comes running around the bed and they're like, oh my goodness, look at these sheets. Can somebody come and change these sheets? This is a mess. Let her hair, for goodness sake, can somebody cut her hair? Can we get a barber in here, a hairdresser? Can we do something with this? No, no when somebody's in cardiac arrest, you don't worry about anything else. There is only one thing that matters. And it is restarting the heart. I think that's what's going on with Galatians. With Galatians, there may well be a whole bunch of other stuff that is going on in the church that, that Paul would want to address. But, but this is a church that's going into cardiac arrest. This is a church that is, that is having the spiritual equivalent of a heart attack. It's losing the gospel. Paul has only one Thing on his mind and it is to get the gospel beating again in the heart of this church that we must trust christ and christ alone all right you want to walk the path of trying to be good enough on your own all right and, and this this being circumcised paul uses that as kind of shorthand for, you know, you setting out to be, I can be good enough. I'll keep the law by myself. I'll do this in my own strength and my own capacity. I'll fulfill my own potential. You know, um, Paul's like, if you want to do that, okay, but you've got to obey the whole law the whole time. All right? You can't afford to slip up once. All right? You want to walk that road? You've got to be perfect from the moment you are conceived to the moment you breathe your last which if I come and visit you could be sooner than you think. All right. All right. You who are trying, but listen to this. You see how important this is? You see the stakes that Paul is playing for here? You who are trying to be justified by the law. Right? You're out there trying to build your own righteousness, trying to show God what a good person you are. Well, actually that alienates you from Christ. Or the word that Paul actually uses is it cuts you off from Christ. It's a, it's a little bit of a, it's a kind of play on words you're never sure that you should expect a minister to do. You know, circumcision, cutting off, cut off from Christ. Uh, that, you know, you, you're, you're grown-ups, you can make the connections yourself. But that's kind of the play on words Paul's doing. It's like, you cut off the foreskin and throw it away, Christ cuts you off and throws you away. All right, you stand up and say, I don't need Jesus' righteousness. I don't need his death on the cross. I'm good enough on my own. You get thrown out. Spiritually speaking, that's what happens. You have fallen away from grace. Paul's like, seriously, guys, if this is an issue in the church, then I'm not wasting my time talking about anything else. We have got... To get the gospel beating again in the heart of this church, and I, I, here's my here's my question: um, as we've gone through Galatians over the last uh, few weeks, and I know it's been fast, and I, I'm, I am sorry about that in a way, but there's a lot more books to get into read before before you know um, before I go. Um, <laughs> But, you know, here's the thing. As we've gone through Galatians and as we've been reflecting together on this issue of legalism, I I wonder if we have had the same sense of the absolutely critical, critical nature of this issue in, in our own lives as individual Christians, but also in the life of our church. You know, that if there is in us uh, any tendency towards legalism, then nothing else matters until that is dealt with. See, Paul, the urgency, the urgency of Paul's language. Stand firm. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Um, I, I used to be a, a chaplain in Brixton Prison. This is like oh, Mark's old stories coming out tonight. And I, I used to be a, 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 a chaplain in Brixton Prison. And um, one, of the, one, of the, uh, one of the most interesting things, and there were lots of interesting things in Brixton Prison, uh, but one of the most interesting things was when guys had been in prison so long they couldn't imagine life outside of prison. Completely institutionalized. And I, I wonder if Paul's like got, got us a fear that there is this sense, that, you know, we have been imprisoned, we've been enslaved by legalism for so long. It is the default religion and spirituality of a fallen world. Right? Everybody. Instinctively thinks legalistically. I can be good enough. Just tell me what I need to do. Show me the rules. What are the rituals? I can be religious enough. I can be a good person. All right? Everybody that I yeah, you know, I have never buried a bad person. You know, I've never turned up in a family and gone, well, you know, can we talk about this person? They, oh yeah, they were a complete, you know and we 're all glad they've died. nobody ever says that right everybody is at pain and it usually starts with well he wasn 't religious, but he was a really good person. Do you know what I mean that is the, you know if, if you 're not a christian if you 've not been captured by the gospel of grace, you are a legalist and there's this sense I wonder if Paul is worried that we are so institutionalized into spiritual imprisonment and spiritual slavery that you know, it's almost like we can't, we, we can't really cope with the freedom that comes from grace. We, sort of, we still need the rules. We still need the vicar to tell me what to do. Tell me how to live. Don't just tell me about Jesus. Don't just tell me about grace. Tell me how to live because I need the rules. I need you to tell me what I have to do. Alright, we'll see you next week. Paul's not gonna do that. Paul's like, you've been set free. You can go where you want, you can live how you want. You know, take responsibility and go and do it. Alright? Oh well, no, no. Paul's like we, we gotta we've gotta learn to trust the freedom of the gospel and our instinct, our 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 our, our instinct. I can't think of another word for instinct. Mine has gone completely blank. Um, but as we want to get back into that sort of legalistic thing where we know the rules and we keep the rules, and that's how God gets to like us, right? And Paul's like, no, we should be. As we've been going through the book of Galatians, I have tried to convey something of the urgency of this. Alright, Paul, Paul is desperate. He is, he is, there's, there's a kind of atmosphere of terror uh, in, in this. Um, you know, he's so afraid that these Christians are going to, to kind of just ease back into a legalistic way of thinking about God and of, of how they relate to God. And, and I, I, I guess my hope has been That as we've gone through this book, we've caught something of that urgency. And that that our prayer has been for the Spirit to search us as individuals and as a church. To search us and to expose in us anywhere at all where there is any level of legalism in our life. Either in our life individually or in our life corporately. Where there is any 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 shadow of this still lurking in our thinking, in our souls, in our life together as a church, that the Spirit would show it to us so that we can repent of it and throw it out. Because that's Paul's approach. Paul said, "Look, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough." All right now, look. If I was using this as a visual aid tonight, it would be the worst visual aid in the history of preaching because. A, 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 thing, a thing of yeast. You couldn't see it. Do you know what I mean? It's so small that you, even if I had one, I, I could have pretended. I could be like, hang on, uh, there we go. See, there it is. Can you see it? No, you can't. It's because it's really small. Right? Yeah, that's, it's like, it is such a small, tiny, tiny thing. It's barely perceptible. And yet, Paul says, you only need a bit of it, and it will affect everything. It will affect everything. Paul's like, this doesn't need to be a huge deal. It just needs to be lurking around the margins. You know, when the, um, in the ancient church, when they were going to celebrate like, the festival of the Passover, um, for a week before the festival starts, they're not allowed to eat anything with yeast in it. And they have to sweep out their houses and they have to get rid of, rid of it for, for a week, right? I, And I guess it's so that there's, there's, there's not even anything in your system. You know what I mean? Everything's gone through and is out. And there's no yeast at all anywhere in the entire nation of Israel. Nothing, right? There's been a really deliberate and intentional sweeping out, clearing out, getting rid of. Right? And I think that's Paul's like, right. that should be our attitude as Christians towards legalism. That, that deliberate, intentional, got to get rid of this. We can't afford to have any lurking around in the back of the cupboard, you know, even if it's out of date. It doesn't matter. It's got, we've got to get rid of this. It has got to be gone, nowhere in, in the church. Uh, there's an urgency about this, but there's no panic. Right. Paul, Paul, remember, Paul knows these people are Christians. So he has real confidence that as he exposes this, as he speaks to it, teaches to it, pleads with them about it, that they will recognize the truth of what he is saying and they will respond accordingly. Now, my question is given how pervasive a threat. We have seen this to be as we've gone through the book of Galatians. Given how dangerous a thing this is, how easy it is to fall into it. Given that this
1: is our left to our own devices, this is our default posture of soul. Has our attitude over the last couple of months been to plead with God for our own spiritual health and for the health of our church? Let me ask you, is legalism a problem in our church? Do you know what? take two minutes. I'll be sitting next to you.
0: Answer the question. Is legalism a problem at MIE? I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to you know, ask you to nail your colors to the mask or anything like that. But just, do you think legalism is a problem in MIE? Go on. Have a think. Oh, oh, gosh, I'm not used to this. Does he actually mean talk in the middle of the sermon? Is this a rhetorical thing? Oh, well, go. What do you think it is? I'll just throw it out to Close. I would suggest to you that if, 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 if legalism isn't a problem for us right now, we are in constant danger of it being a problem. That's why the Book of Galatians is in the Bible. All right. Now, you see how diplomatic I was there? You're like, what does Mark think? What does he think? Not telling you. Okay. Uh, all right. But think about it like this. Um, you know, imagine a, ki- a parent teaching teaching their kid to walk, uh, and to walk on a footpath next to a busy road. You know, and and, and the, you know the parent knows that uh, to start with, the parent holds holds her hand and explains about these big, fast-moving boxes of metal and what will happen if one of those things hits you. All right, and we'll walk along the road and and we'll hold your hand and we'll say, don't let don't don't let go of mommy's hand or don't let go of daddy's hand. Don't run into the road and don't run into the road and don't run into the road. Okay. And then tentatively, um, you, you then let go of the kid's hand and the kid learns to walk by themselves. But I'll tell you what, as a parent, your eye is on that kid and you're like, you know, right? you're walking along like this, like you've got some kind of strange sort of deformity. Everybody's looking at you going, what on earth is this? Like, Right, but the thing is, like, that kid takes one, one wrong step. One wrong step. You don't get to make that mistake twice. Alright, and that's Paul. Paul is like, he's walking on this Galatians church. he's like, serious, you know, ugh, don't, 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 it's, it's like a liturgy. Don't, don't go on the road. Don't, don't go on the road. Don't, 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 don't go on the road. It's like, don't go into legalism. Don't, no, don't go into legal, don't go into legalism. And he's like a parent right there. And as soon as he sees the church begin to veer off into legalism, Paul knows, seriously, legalism hits you, it's like a truck. You're not going to get to come back and have a second crack at this. This stuff alienates you from Christ. It pulls you away from grace. All right, And Paul, is, Paul sees this church that is on the brink of being destroyed. And he's not going to apologize for walking alongside the church of Galatia over and over again saying this one thing. All right? Mark my words. If you let yourself be... If you step into this way of relating to God that's all about thinking you're a good person and all you need to do is show God how good you are and everything will be okay, Christ will be of no value. To you at all. Do you feel the force of those words? All right? My own sense is that a lot of people who think of themselves as Christians, they're relate- it's, it kind of works like this. All right? I'm, a, I'm basically a good person. I go to church. I'm sure I don't live a perfect life, but that bit where I fall short, that's the bit where Jesus steps in and makes up the lost ground.
1: Paul said, it doesn't work like that. It's all Christ, or Christ is of no value.
0: These are mutually exclusive things. All right, again, Paul, you will be alienated, cut off from Christ. You will have fallen away from grace. Now, because... You know, because if you're a Christian and you're trusting grace, Paul doesn't have a problem with with like, even circumcision. You know, you read it in Acts 16. Paul actually circumcised Timothy. You know, so it's not that circumcision. It's it's this sense that this is what I do to show God that I am religious enough, righteous enough, and I'm good enough to be one of His people. Right? For Paul, yeah, it's like Timothy's going to be a a missionary amongst Jews. He he needs to be somebody that Jews will listen to and identify with. You know, for that, it's fine. But when it becomes like this, this is shorthand, like I said, for I will obey the law. I will, remember the train track? You know, the law is supposed to be something that you get carried along by the power of the Spirit. And the danger of taking it and saying, actually, I'm going to use that as a ladder. I'm going to lean that up against the side of heaven. And I'm going to show God how good I am. And I'm going to climb my way into heaven. Paul's like, if you are trying to do that, Christ is of no value to you. You benefit nothing from his death and resurrection, from his life of righteousness. What we'll see next week is that actually, ironically, in a way, it is only by putting our faith in Christ that we can become people who genuinely obey the law the way God always intended it to be behaved. Only by faith in Christ do we receive the Spirit who then carries us along the tracks of righteousness. You see, legalism, as Paul said, this kind of persuasion of getting out there and showing everybody how good you are, that doesn't come from the one who calls you. It doesn't come, right? That whole way of thinking, that is something that is born in the fallen soul of man. That's something that's born out of our imagination and our spirituality. That's our speculation. All right? And when you think about it, legalism is a religion that's all about me. It glorifies me. Because it's all about showing everybody, including God, how good I am. It's a religion where I am my own savior. Because I show God that I'm good enough. So he has to accept me. And you begin to see how serious this is. You begin to sense Paul's Paul's urgency. Stand firm. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by this yoke of slavery. Don't be complacent. Don't sit back and assume that because you once trusted the gospel of grace that you don't need to worry about this. You need to wake up. The enemy is at the door. Stand firm. Be alert. Did any of you watch Harry Potter or read the books? Ah, yes. Um, Moody, Mad-Eye Moody, constant vigilance. Constant vigilance. Constantly on your guard. Because as soon as you drop your guard,
1: you will veer into this. You will. How serious is this? Listen to what Paul says about the people who are Introducing this disease into the life of the church. Whoever they are. I don't care what status they have, what
0: degrees they have, what experiences they've had. I don't care who sent them. I don't care how important they seem to be
1: or how persuasive they are. Jesus will take him out. The church is the bride of Christ.
0: The church, these are the ones for whom Christ laid down his life. And he is a
1: jealous husband. And I tell you, you try to get between Jesus and his bride... You try to do anything that threatens the relationship between Jesus and His bride? And that is trouble you do not want to have. Paul picks up on this in a number of places when he's writing to the church at Corinth. Again, and he's writing here about false
0: teachers. He's writing here about people who are inside the church. He's not talking about People who are outside the church, persecuting the church. He's talking about people who are seen as members and leaders and
1: pastors in the church. He says, look, if you destroy God's temple, God will destroy you. Right? We're not playing games. If, if this isn't... This isn't You know, hey, let's all just get together
0: and, you know, everyone can believe whatever they want and teach whatever they want and God is gracious and loving and I'm sure it'll all be fine and we'll all get there in the end. Paul's like, you mess with, you mess with the heart of the church and Jesus will destroy you. God's temple is
1: sacred and together you are that temple. This is where Paul gets to that amazingly graphic and
0: picturesque verse in Galatians 5, verse 12. Those agitators, all right? They're all about circumcision. They're all about cutting off the foreskin. Do you know what? I wish they would go the whole, just cut the whole thing off. The whole thing. Every guy in the church is like, no! (laughs) All right? Now, why does Paul say this? Is Paul just vindictive? No, 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 no. Right, Paul's got in mind uh, Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. You see, no one who's been emasculated. Sorry, guys. No one, no one who's been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. You see, if these false teachers, these guys who are, who are introducing this... this 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 poison. These people who are killing the church with their teaching, if they emasculate themselves, then they're not allowed in the church anymore. That's kind of Paul's thinking. They can't they can't be in the body of Christ causing this level of mischief. So why why are we, as it were, so, so complacent? You know, this is an incredibly dangerous thing. You know, and I guess my heart is, as we come to this book, is that you don't, you don't just kind of go, okay, that was interesting. I mean, hopefully it has been interesting. But as, you know, we've only got a couple of sermons left before we're done with Galatians for, for, for a while anyway. And I guess my heart is that in these last few weeks that we give ourselves over to thinking and praying about this, that this shapes how we prepare for our services. That, that you pray for us who are preaching and leading. Because you see, what the thing that frightens me most about all of this is that the Galatians weren't idiots. You know, to be to be perfectly frank, the church in Galatia they had a lot more going for them than you guys do. I mean, they had a decent. They had Paul. They had an apostle as a pastor. Like it was an apostle, Paul, who planted that church and who taught them the gospel. Right? You get me? Sorry, (laughs) booby prize. But you know this is the thing. But these, these guys who have been led to Christ by Paul, who were discipled by Paul, and remember, right back to start, who Paul is. These people who have experienced so deeply the grace of God and who have who have experienced so profoundly the ministry and the life of the Holy Spirit
1: in their midst. These are the people who are seduced by people teaching legalism. Now, let me finish by asking this question. What is it that makes us
0: so susceptible, so vulnerable to this? Well I think it's partly because this is our default, and partly
1: it appeals to our pride. See, we're proud people, and we like to think we can do it ourselves. in everything, especially in issues of religion and spirituality and salvation. You see, the reason this is so, so
0: powerful is that it connects so deeply with our most basic dispositions. You see, if I'm a legalist, my working assumption is all you need to do is tell me what God wants me to do, and I'll be able to do it. I'll do it. Tell me what God, tell me, okay, God, tell me how you want me to live And I'll do that. Now, there's been few people in the world, in the history of the world, who have captured this and articulated it more than this guy. This is a guy called Pelagius. Um, You know the way I'm always quoting from a guy called Augustine, who was this North African bishop in the sort of 4th, 5th century. Pelagius was like his nemesis. All a Lots of... The stuff that um, Augustine wrote, he wrote against this guy, because this guy really captured, in a nutshell, legalism and held it forth as the gospel and persuaded huge sections of the church um, of their day that this was what the Bible taught. You see, Pelagius thought, look, and this is, it's interesting because this, it affects so much. He sort of thought, look, the fall wasn't so bad, and sin hasn't really affected us too much. And the problem is that we're just, we're surrounded by sinners. It's all everybody else's fault, really. It's because we're in a bad environment, and we, we just, we live with people all the time who do things wrong, and so we learn how to do things wrong, and all we need is a good example. Somebody who will teach us clearly how to do things right and we would follow that. And for him, that's what Jesus was. Jesus was a good example who taught us how to live well. Now, Jesus is a good example. I'm not saying it, but he's a lot more than that. He's a lot more than that. But for Pelagius, that's all you need. You just need somebody who will show you what to do, teach you
1: how to do it, and you can be the person, the wonderful person that God created you to be. It's always been a problem. There's a problem in the days of Paul. It's
0: been a problem all the way through the history of the church. guy I used to work with, um, and, and, and he, he said everything comes down to this question. If you are standing before God, on the day of judgment and he says, why should I let you into heaven?
1: If your answer is anything other than Jesus. Is that you won't, you won't get in? It. It's as simple as that. And the Church of England, the church, even the Church
0: of England has recognized that this is a huge issue. And so I am mandated to teach you, according to Article 12, the good works which are the fruit of faith and follow on after justification, can never atone for our sins and can never face the strict justice of God's judgment. All right? Pelagius has been condemned at every official ecumenical council that the church has ever held. It's kind of, you got, it got to the point where you sort of have to Condemn Pelagius. You know, it's all, often it's the first thing that a council will do. Well, everyone, you know, well obviously we condemn Pelagius. And the Church of England, this, this, is, this is designed to make sure that
1: legalism is never taught in a Church of England pulpit. You see, Paul, by contrast, teaches the offense of the cross.
0: Right, the offense of the cross. Remember what he said back in chapter 2. You see, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You know, if, 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 the law, if you could have taken the law and lived by it well enough to be acceptable to God,
1: Jesus wouldn't have had to die. But you see, the fact is Jesus did die. And what that means is you cannot be good enough. Never will you be good enough. Because if you could have been good enough, Jesus wouldn't have died. You see, becoming a Christian is I can't help myself. Will you please help me? And God's saying, I said last week, God does not help those who help themselves. That's the anti-gospel. God helps those who have given
0: up on themselves and who know they cannot help themselves. And you see, God says, look, you come to me with nothing and I will give you everything. The unsearchable riches of Christ. He will be of infinite value to you.
1: And he will do for you everything that you cannot do. See, this is the only thing that matters. And yet, our whole lives, we will be plagued by the temptation to return to legalism. The way of relating to God that means that Christ will be of no value to us where we will fall away from grace. Paul says, stand firm. Do not let yourself be enslaved again. And the best way to stand firm is to live and understand authentic Christian holiness. And that is what we will be unpacking next Sunday. Any